Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorneys Bill Gast and Mike McClellan from the Gast and McClellan Law Firm in Omaha, Nebraska. In addition to Bill Gast's work in the area of insurance, he is a charter member and director of the International Society of Primaris Law Firms and a member of DRI. Mike McClellan has practiced law since 1992 and has gained primary experience in the areas of litigation, municipal, and administrative law. Thank you both very much for joining us today. You bet. Thank you. Today's case centers on a recent Nebraska Supreme Court ruling against the state of Florida and a decade-long multimillion-dollar insurance dispute. The Nebraska Supreme Court has been involved with the case on three different occasions. Brendan Noonan leads off with today's first question. So tell us a bit about this case. Yeah, this is Bill Gast. I'll uh, try to capsulize a real long and complicated thing into just a few essential factual points. This lawsuit was part of a, uh, an insurance company liquidation case. The insurance company involved United Southern Assurance Company of Florida, and we call that USAC, was declared insolvent in 1997, and the Department of Insurance of the state of Florida was appointed receiver. The reason, fundamentally, why USAC was in financial difficulty is because it was part of a larger group of insurance companies and entities operated out of California, which really was kind of a house of cards. It was owned by a person or people who were simply moving assets around and bleeding these companies dry over a period of many years. Our client is a local insurance company here in Nebraska, which insured independent truckers across the country. It also is owned by the California entity, but was probably the only bright spot in the whole operation except for one issue back in 1991. The California entities had removed $2 million from our agency. It's called Countrywide Truck Insurance Agency. We call it Truck had removed $2 million from its customer deposit account, which was their policyholders' money, and never paid that money back. So uh, instead of, at the time of the liquidation in 1997, instead of having four and a half or so million dollars of customer deposits for use as later paying their insurance premiums, there was only about $2.3 million there during the trial, we called that the $2 million hole, and the Supreme Court acknowledged our our imagery, but they called it the $2 million deficit. In any case, in 1997, when Mr. Fulkerson, who was our client, he was the president and manager of Truck, realized that USAC was probably going to go down, and he had roughly 1,500 truckers across the country who were at risk of losing their insurance, he exercised an option that he had 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 for a few years and bought back truck's assets and used the remaining $2.3 million in customer deposits to replace the policyholders' insurance policies with a solvent company or solvent companies. After that happened, then the liquidation occurred, and this suit followed, and for the last 10 and a half years, the Department of Insurance in Florida, even though it knew where the money had gone and it had not gone to Mr. Fulkerson, had been trying to force him to pay it back pay it personally. That's essentially what the lawsuit was about. Mike, did I cover everything? Yeah, I think uh, one of the important factors in this case is that this was a unique 
type of insurance, uh, at least to the extent that our client, Dave Fulkerson, established a, a form of insurance where these over-the-road independent truckers could give a deposit. It was roughly equal to two and a half times the monthly premium. And by paying that deposit, then they wouldn't have to pay a full year's premium. The agency, as well as the insurance company, in this case USAC, would have money on deposit in case there was a default in payment, and they could take that against the next monthly payment. So really it was a monthly insurance contract with money held in a customer deposit account, which is sort of a unique form of a a way to do insurance payments, premium payments. Made it easier for the independent guys to compete with the big boys. Hey, uh, is it unusual for a case to last so long? Oh gosh, extraordinarily slow. Partially it occurred because the case took three trips to the Supreme Court. Each time takes about a year and a half. But mainly it was the nature of the case. Here you had a Florida state agency and their counsel who essentially were running amok. I mean, even though they had all the records of all the agencies involved and the insurance company and they had Mr. Fulkerson's personal income tax returns, they could never, they knew exactly where the money went. It went to the $2 million was taken by the California entity in 91 and the 2.3 customer deposits were used to benefit the customers, buy them insurance, even though they knew that, they nevertheless relentlessly pursued Dave personally. And Dave literally had to keep defending himself. Now, one of the other issues with this case, back in 2006, the judge dismissed the jury in that instance. Why was that decision made? Yeah, this is Mike McClellan. And, you know, we're not sure is the short answer. Uh, We we felt that it was a a mistake to do that because a a lot of evidence had, had been presented. The jury had heard about six to eight days of testimony and seen numerous documents. And in giving the benefit of the doubt to the judge, there was premium owed to USAC at the time it, it went into insolvency, and, and it was owed from the insurance agency here in Omaha Truck. But the judge failed to do the rest of the analysis, which is to look at why the premium was still owed and, and where was the money at in the customer deposit account? Where did that go? So I think that in, in fairness to the judge, there was premium owed, but just because it was owed doesn't mean that there wasn't a jury question there. There wasn't other evidence to consider had the money been diverted for, for an unlawful reason. In this case, the evidence showed it, it went to the customers, these trucking customers around the country. Uh, so the only reason that we can determine that the judge did not allow it to go to the jury was because it was undisputed that there was some premium that hadn't been paid to USAC uh, at the time that the company went into liquidation. The bigger question obviously was, well, why wasn't the premium paid and, and who was responsible for that? And it wasn't, wasn't our client. I can add to that, too, in carefully reading, and of course we have probably, I don't know, between Mike and I, we've read it 20 times since, came down. The Supreme Court, I think, is cleverly trying to tell our trial judge that he might have given too much credence to the old adage, where there's smoke, there's fire, because it seemed there was missing money, no question about it, but as Mike said, they didn't really pursue where it went. They just pursued the guy that they had here uh, who had not taken it. But the Supreme Court also carefully did the, the heavy lifting with the voluminous exhibits and records and, 
and, and, and the evidence in the case, and pretty plainly suggested that there's more kinds of smoke than products of combustion. There's another kind, the kind that you, gets blown in a courtroom sometimes when a lawyer does not have the evidence to back him up. Now, another aspect of this case was trying to prove uh, an intent to fraud, and how difficult is that generally to do? Yeah, this is Mike, and, I, you know, it is difficult to prove because the burden of proof on who's ever trying to prove it says that you have to prove a state of mind. Now, it can be inferred from circumstances, but in this case, we think that the circumstances are going to show that the money went back to the customers, and in that case, it's going to show that there couldn't have been an intent to defraud because the Nebraska Supreme Court, in, in uh, the decision that it recently released, made a specific finding that no funds went to our client, David Fulkerson, personally. In other words, no money was traced to any bank accounts or any accounts that would have gone to anyone personally. It was We were able to show through the accounting records that the funds were used by these trucking customers to buy replacement insurance. And in this case, the insurance contract covered the customer deposit, and it said at the cancellation of the contract, the insurance contract, which happens when an insurance company goes into liquidation, their insurance contract with their customers is automatically canceled. In this case, the, that insurance contract said these customer deposits will be returned to the customers. In Nebraska, we also have a state law that deals with unearned premium, and without getting into the difference between a customer deposit and what unearned premium might be, in Nebraska, unearned premium has to go back to the customers if it hasn't been, if it's premium dollars that haven't been earned by the insurance company in the event of a liquidation. It has to be returned to the uh, insurance customers, and an agent who violates that law could be subject to some type of criminal sanction. So in this case, all of this occurred prior to USAC going into liquidation in Florida when the customer deposit accounts were returned because of those strong motivation factors to return that money to customers, and the Nebraska Supreme Court made it clear that's where the money at issue had been transferred to had gone that it's going to be very difficult to, under these circumstances, to show any type of intent to defraud USAC or the state of Florida. Yeah, like a bull in the china shop, the Florida Department of Insurance came to Nebraska and just disregarded Nebraska law, and they were able to persuade our trial judge to follow that along, but the Supreme Court, I think, uh, corrected all of that. Okay, uh, will this impact future litigation? I'm going to say, this is Bill, Gann, Bill Gast again, we certainly hope so, because using the old Watergate metaphor of the follow the money from all the president's men, that's one thing the Florida Department of Insurance just did not do. The money that went to California, they just forgot about that. I suppose it's because that entity went down, and they're so used to just getting their way wherever they go, they just decided to disregard the facts and the law, and they made life miserable for this poor guy. You know, I do a lot of work in suspicious and arson, arson fires for insurers, and my fire investigator friends have taught me that you can never ignore the importance of the, the, the source of ignition. In this case, the source of ignition, by analogy, was, were the people in California that bled these companies and took these customers' deposits not for Mr. Fulkerson, and it's just as important here as it is in an arson case. 
we would hope in future cases this could be used as an example for a receiver, especially if it's a governmental entity like this, to exercise uh, some responsibility with the powers that they're given. Now, where does this uh, latest decision go from here? Well, as it says, it basically, the the court opinion was exhaustive on the facts, and, and that was very, very useful because they basically sorted out the claims from actually the reality and determined what actually had happened. And in so doing, they really left the only issue remaining is whether there's enough evidence to prove that Mr. Fulkerson had an intent to defraud, which, as Mike points out, is going to be impossible to prove when he didn't, he didn't get anything. And in fact, should point out that even on the witness stand, all the representatives of Florida who testified either in person or through deposition admitted that poor Dave Fulkerson never got a single dime that he wasn't entitled to, which was the commissions. Our main hope is Mr. Fulkerson gets the peace now that he deserves. I think that when we go back to our trial judge, now that the facts have been very clearly set forth in this opinion, he's got to sort through the first the trial transcript and all the evidence. I think we can show that there's no evidence, especially of the clear and convincing kind, that there was any intent to defraud on his part. In fact, the evidence is clear. All he was doing was following Nebraska law when he replaced these truckers' insurance policies. But our secondary hope is that some light being shed on what happened here leads to the recognition that an agency in a position like this, which has almost unlimited powers by statute, and they probably should have that kind of power, but it needs to be exercised responsibly. And in this case, uh, it was done callously and irresponsibly, and the damage to poor Mr. Fulkerson has just been immeasurable. Hopefully, enough attention is brought to this issue by this case that in the future, departments like this realize the damage they can do if they don't truly follow the money and pay attention to the facts. So to answer your question, I think what's probably going to happen when the court's faced with the fact that there really is, is no evidence to prove fraud, as the Supreme Court's defined it, uh, he's going to have to dismiss it outright. That's my impression, anyway. Want to add anything to that? No, I think you covered it, Bill. But the main point here is uh, when a state is acting as a receiver, they have an obligation to look at the facts as a whole and determine where the money went. And we hope that if agents keep good records, can account for things, that uh, perhaps this case will will lead to, to more deference to the right of agents to follow the insurance contract and, and that this will give some relief for, for agents who are in this position in the future. Amen. Well, thank you both very much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was an interesting case, and I know you two were very highly involved with it. We've just spoken with uh, Bill Gast and Mike McClellan from the law offices of Gast and McClellan in Omaha, Nebraska. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ams.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. 
Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 